2 Corinthians chapter number 13 in verse number 5. Chapter 13 in verse number 5 of 2 Corinthians this morning. The Word of God said, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Once again, verse number 5 says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. The Lord will be my helper this morning. I want to talk to you on this subject of examine yourselves. But first pray with me. Father, Lord, thank you, God. You know me. You know my heart. You know who I am. And God, you know what I've already talked to you about today. But Lord, I just want to come to you one more time and tell you that I love you and I thank you so much, God, for being so sweet and things you've let me see. And God, you've just been so good to us. And Lord, we want to thank you and praise you for what you've done and what you're doing. And Lord, would you just touch this little group this morning, God, give us ears that we can hear and open our hearts that we can receive the truth. And Lord, would you cleanse me and clean me? Lord, take out everything in me that's not like you. And Lord, anything in my heart, Lord, that would keep me from the fullness of God to be able to preach. Lord, would you just cleanse me? Lord, would you take away everything in this service today, God, that might be a hindrance and stand in the way? of what you desire to do. Lord, would you open up somebody's heart to the gospel this morning and help them to see what they need to see. God, give them grace and a place to repent. Lord, if you'd see fit. Lord, I just want to tell you thank you, God, for these new little babies crawling around in here this morning. God, those that's trusted you and God, in your mercy, you brought them to a place of repentance and God, you give them enough grace to step out and say I'm lost and I need some help. I need a Savior, God, how you took the burden of sin away from them. God, I bless your name for that, Lord. I sure do want to thank you, Lord, throughout eternity. We'll be praising you, God, for what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. The Word of God said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith and prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. The word reprobate means something that's worthless. We see the word reprobate over in Romans chapter number one. You see a group of people who are not willing to retain God and their knowledge. You see those that, according to the scripture, the, the scripture draws out a picture of sodomites in that place. And he shows those, and he said that God gave them over to a reprobate mind because they would not retain God in their knowledge. That reprobate mind has this idea to it. It literally means that God's left them alone, left them to the place that they so rejected God and said no in their own heart, in their own mind that God said, that's fine, I'll leave you alone. I'll never deal with you again. They may be 16 years old. They may be 20 years old. They may be 50 years old, but at whatever age they are, God, the sweet Holy Ghost said, you want it so bad, that's what I'll let you have. And I'll leave you alone. I'll never deal with you again. Those individuals who've ever been turned over to a reprobate mind today are as good as already in hell. 
God, the Holy Ghost, will never, never, not one time ever speak to them and draw them again. That's not really what I'm talking about, and that's not really what this scripture is alluding to. This scripture is alluding to those that are in the church and are religious, and most of the time real reprobates to start with have no concern for God, those who are of a reprobate mind. I see folks all the time, I know a young gentleman, in fact, that occasionally he gets so tore up and he gets to worry. Preacher Mike, I'm afraid I'm reprobate. God's turned me over to a reprobate mind and I can't be saved. And just the very fact that he's worried about God and salvation lets me know he is not of a reprobate mind. If you had a reprobate mind today, you'd cuss God, you'd cuss the church, you'd cuss the Holy Ghost, you'd cuss preaching, and you'd make fun. You'd never have any concern for God or your soul. But this reprobate is talking about those who are in the church and are religious, but they're worthless to the cause of Christ. He said, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith And prove your own selves. That word prove means to test something. It means to try it. You say, Brother Mike, you you, you make folks doubt uh, asking them to examine themselves. I'm in the Word of God. That's what God said do. He said, prove your own selves, whether you be in the faith. I remember when we were building that little old house down there on the ridge, when we, uh, Brother Ramsey that stood here and preached last night, uh, it was him and, and myself and Brother Keith Scruggs that gave his testimony the other night. And we had those blocks up and the foundation was up and we got ready to set those floor trusses. We took those trusses and we lugged them things and we carried them and got them in place and got them nailed in place. And after we did that, we put that three-quarter plywood on top of it. And I remember when we got the first sheet or two of that three-quarter plywood on that, there was something on the inside of me just couldn't wait, Brother James, to get on that plywood. You fellas ever built anything, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know what that is? That's proving it. You are built a handrail on a deck or something, and you get that, and you put them screws and them lag bolts in that thing, and you've done everything you know, and the first thing you do when you get that thing built, you reach out there and you, you're proving it. And God said, if you got salvation in your heart, you ought not be afraid to prove it, to test it, to try it. Make sure it lines up with the Word of God. And see, it bothers me, folks. You don't want to get around the Word of God because it lets me know they don't want to examine themselves in light of the book. They want to examine themselves in the light of how their neighbor lives. They want to examine themselves in the light of how somebody else does or somebody that says they're saved. But most folks are not willing to examine themselves in the light of God's Word. But God said, do that. The Word, there's three words here that I want to deal with this morning. The word is reformation. The word reform means to improve something. It means to alter something for correction or error. It means the removal of defects. It it means to make something in a better condition than what it's in. It literally means to remodel something, reform or reformation. Regeneration means a new birth or something that was dead that's made alive through new birth. Reprobation means something that's worthless. It's dross. It's fit to be thrown away. 
And I want to talk to you this morning on this subject, reformation without regeneration equals reprobation. Reformation without regeneration equals reprobation. In the Word of God, uh, there's over in the book of Isaiah chapter number 14, verse 13. Word of God says, speaking of Lucifer, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. There's five I wills that Lucifer said before he became Satan. In his heart, he said, I will do this and I will do that. And when I talk to people about salvation, I often hear them say, well, I did this or I did that. I've been a good person. I've lived right. I've gone to church. I've paid my bills. I've tithed. I've given to missions. I've done this or I've done that. But you see, Lucifer did all that kind of stuff before he fell. He was in charge of the music in heaven. He was quite a religious being. Reformation is not regeneration. A lot of things will make you reform. The death of a loved one can cause you to change and reform some things. A divorce or a near divorce situation can cause you to straighten up and do right. Fear can bring you to a place of reforming. Maturity can reform people. I remember when I was a teenager and I had that old 63 Chevy, 327, 275 horsepower, two-speed power glide, had two speeds, fast and faster. And that's the way I thought you ought to drive them. And uh, I'd take off spinning and stop sliding until I started paying for my own insurance and buying my own tires. And maturity kind of has a way of straightening them things out and reforming things. But reformation is not regeneration. Sometimes people grow up and they mature and they stop doing childish things. I'm afraid a lot of folks don't. But a lot of folks grow up and they quit doing childish things. But that is not regeneration. There are five things that I'm going to deal with this morning real quick by way of introduction that are not regeneration. That are not salvation. The I wills or the I haves or the I've dones of the religious community. I believe in Jesus. Well, the Word of God says that the devils believe and tremble, but they're not saved. Over in John chapter 2, turn over there real quick. John chapter 2, verse 23. I want you to see this from the pages of God's Word. John chapter number 2, verse number 23. Many believed in His name when they saw the miracles which He did. But Jesus, in verse 24, did not commit himself unto them. You see, I believed in Jesus all my life. There's never been a time in my cognizant memory that I didn't believe in Jesus. But believing in Jesus don't make you saved. That don't make you born again. Believing, I'll tell you another I I have. I prayed and asked for forgiveness. 
had a religious experience. But did you understand something that saying a prayer is not salvation? That's not what salvation is about. There's a precious young preacher, young man of God. He's been in this meeting in this past week. And he was a young preacher, a young man, even a young Christian, as a matter of fact, several years ago. And he called me on the telephone one evening and he was tore up. And he said, Brother Mike, he said, I'm tore up. The devil's been bothering me and I've been doubting whether or not I'm saved. And he said, I can't remember what I prayed the night I got saved. Honey, it ain't your prayer that saves you. That's not what salvation is. Salvation's faith in Jesus and repentance in your heart. There's been a many a one that God's worked repentance in their heart and they're in a broken condition and they stand there during the invitation and God gives them grace to repent. They take the first step out of that pew. They've exercised faith and God saves them before they ever get near an altar. It's not in the prayer you prayed. It's in the Savior that called. And when you respond from your heart, that's when you get saved. See, folks, it's confused by making it so difficult to get in. Getting in ain't difficult when God's calling. All you got to do is give. But see, saying a prayer is not salvation because I said a whole lot of prayers. I remember when I was 12, I got down the altar, and I was under conviction too, buddy, and I prayed. But God hadn't finished that work of repentance in my heart, and I didn't get saved. I remember pulling off at Hardy's on 2nd Street up here in North Wilkesboro and praying and crying my eyeballs out. But you know what? I didn't get saved. Salvation's not a prayer. It's not I believe in Jesus. It's not I prayed a prayer. Oh, I cried bitter tears. The Word of God, speaking of Esau in Hebrews chapter 12, said that, You know how that afterward when he would have received the blessing, he was rejected and found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Crying don't make you saved. I've been blessed of God. God, The way God's blessed me, I must be saved. Mm. Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. God was so good to me that when I was lost, you can ask my wife today and I'm not being pointed and I'm not not just digging back into things, but there's no reason in this world that me and my wife didn't divorce the first two years that we was married apart from the goodness of God. I tell you, our life got miserable and it was just a fuss and a fight all the time. Couldn't buy enough stuff and toys and trinkets to put any peace or any joy in her heart. Couldn't rent enough videos at the store, get enough channels on the cable to make us satisfied or give us any peace. And it wasn't nothing but the grace of God we didn't wind up in a divorce. God was good to me about that. God's good to folks. Why is that? Because he's a good God. And the goodness of God leads thee to repentance. I tell you what, it's nothing but the goodness of God that I, I ain't sitting in a prison today somewhere, Brother Wesley. I was a mean man, and God knows my heart. When I was lost, there was a lot of stuff I was into, and I've stood before the judge, and I've been guilty. 
And I've been sent at seven months and two days and got off of five years probation. But, Brother Wesley, I'd been caught for nearly a fraction of the things I'd done. And I ought to have been in a federal penitentiary today. But I'll tell you why I ain't, Brother Sam. It was the goodness of God. It wasn't that God was blessing me as a lost man. It was that God was just being good to me. And God knew that there'd come a day that I was going to repent of my sin, trust Him as my Savior. And He was just being good to me. And just because God's being good to you don't mean you're saved. But Brother Mike, I felt conviction. Conviction's not conversion. <laughs> Conviction's that working of repentance in the heart of a man. That's the five I wills of Lucifer. I did this and I did that. And see, when you talk to folks and they won't tell you about salvation, they won't tell you about what I've done. But this morning, it ain't about what I've done. It's about what Jesus did. Would y'all like to hear a little bit about that? I'm glad you said that because I'm going to tell you anyhow. I'm going to tell you some things Jesus did. Number one, he came for me because I couldn't get to him. Because I was lost and nothing done without God. And I didn't have no way of getting to where he was. How does he come to you? Number one, he'll come through the preaching of the word of God. I mean, he'll take an old-fashioned Baptist preacher, fill him up with the Holy Ghost of God. Let him lay his ears back, right back and preach this counsel of God. And the Holy Ghost will come through that preaching and deal with you and speak to you and come to where you are. He'll come to you through the word of God. He'll come to you through the witness of another child of God. Hey, some of you folks that say, born again of the Spirit of God. Don't you thank God for those circumstances and situations where you, you want to witness to somebody and tell them about Jesus? Amen. You get to thinking about that and you've got somebody on your heart and maybe you're talking to them on the telephone or maybe they come around the house and all of a sudden it gets real quiet and ain't nobody else around. Hey, look, I've been, I've been waiting for a long time to have an opportunity just to talk to this one fellow, Brother Sam, and I've been around him for the last several years. I've never had an opportunity to talk to him about God the church or nothing else and that door's just always been shut yesterday I mean yesterday of all the unlikely times all the unlikely places all the unlikely ways I went in to see him at his place of business it's usually packed on Saturday you usually can't get around him and God let me go in there and a fellow walked out the door when I walked in me and him's the only fellows in the building yeah. while we was there God nudged me about that and I got to wanting to talk to him next thing you know I got to talk to him about God God, what God's doing at the church. I'm going to tell you what, God let his children be a light and a witness and God will go to people through a child of God and their testimony. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. He came to me. I'll tell you what else he did. He called me. He called me. You ever been called by God? You know how you know you've been called when God gets your attention. Hey, you know God's calling you. Has he got your attention? If he's got your attention, he's calling you. Hey, this morning, my, hey, my phone's rung off the hook the last several days, and I thank God for it. I like having somebody to love. And there's somebody called this morning, that phone rung. Miss Lori, she's up there, and I need to get to the phone. I run up there to get to the phone. You know what, Brother Sam? That got my attention. And I got back downstairs to my office, and I got to studying this morning, got to trying to seek God. Miss Lori came over the intercom. She said, she said, preacher, said, you better come upstairs. She said, there's a precious, precious lady just called here. She's a weeping and she's on her way over here this morning. She need to talk to you about God. And I'll tell you what that did, Brother Sam. That got my attention. How do you know whether God's calling you or not? He got your attention. 
Glory to God. <laughs> Boy, I wish I could tell you more, but I'm telling you what God's calling you. He'll get your attention. He confronted me. He confronted me with the laws of this book. He confronted me and he convicted me. He let me know I was a sinner. God ever convicted you and spelled it out in big bold letters. Y'all don't like it when I do this. L-O-S-T. Y'all notice those folks don't like it when I do that. It ain't that I'm all that smart and I can spell all that good, but I know that word. L-O-S-T. You know why I know it's so good? Because God drawed it up in my heart one day and showed me I was lost. Begin to convict me and begin to draw me and speak to me. Boy, I'm blessed today that God showed me I was helpless and hopeless and needing a Savior. They said, me you got some help in the last few weeks in here. And I tell you what, I, it broke my heart to see you going through it and to see you weeping and holding back. But I'm going to tell you what, it's worth it when it's over with. You can bless the day God showed you you was lost. He convicted me. He convinced me. You know what he convinced me of? He said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. The night I got saved, I wasn't in a church. and They wasn't singing just as I am or past me, not old gentle Savior. I was sitting on a raggedy old couch in a little old single wide trailer. But I tell you, that night I was convinced that if I ever got any help, it's going to come through Jesus. And that's what I did. I sat down on that couch and I began to pour my heart out to God. I began to pour my heart out to the Lord Jesus and tell him why. Because I was convinced that was the way in. I'm fixing to tell you the only part I had in it. After I was called and confronted and convicted and convinced, the only thing I had left to do was to collapse at the foot of the cross under the burden of sin and condemnation. Hey, have you been brought to that place? Have you been brought to that place? Well, you carried that load just as long as you could carry that thing. I mean, you carried that as far as you could carry it. It had been bothering you in your soul. Maybe you had been listening to some preacher on a CD or a tape or on the radio. Maybe you had been around the house and you get to thinking about it and God would get on your mind. That precious sweet lady come to the house this morning. She said, I woke up this morning. The first thing I heard was God said, you're lost. <laughs> Praise God, get under that load and get to thinking about that. She said, God's been bothering me for a while. Uh-huh. You get to carrying that load around with you, you don't even realize you got it on you. Boy, there's got to come a time and a place that you see through the blessed faith that God gives you the cross of Jesus Christ. You get to the foot of that cross and all you can do is collapse. You know what some folks have done in this altar in the last week? They've collapsed in the feet of Jesus. They've run out of that pew, crawled up in this altar, wet bitter tears, and just collapsed in the feet of a blood-stained Savior at the foot of the cross. That's that's the only part you got in this thing. I'll tell you what happened next. He had compassion on me. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I'm talking about people at the foot of the cross now, Brother Allen. And the Word of God said over in Psalm 103 that He knows our frame and He remembers that we're dust. And He said, As a father 
pitieth his children, so doth the Lord pity them that fear him. And when I was down there at the foot of the cross, all crumpled up, he had compassion on me. <laughs> i tell you what done next. It carried me. You see what the Holy Ghost done? The Holy Ghost had done what he had done. He had reached out and he had took me by the hand and he had led me to Jesus. He took me and he led me just gentle, Brother Wesley. And when he got me to Jesus, and I was there at the foot of the cross and I was collapsed, Miss Lord. I was broken. There I was. Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, saw me at the foot of the cross. He picked me up, Brother Wesley. He took me in his arms, in his sweet heavenly arms, and he took me before the Father, Brother James. And he looked at the Father, and he said, Father, remember the cross. Remember what I did on the cross. Remember the blood that I shed and I put on the mercy seat. Father, this is one of the ones I did that for. He carried me to the presence of a three times holy God through his own blood. And I bless his name. He remembered the cross. He remembered what his darling son had went through. Thank God. Not only did he carry me, but he gave me some comfort. Praise God. Hallelujah. He comforted my soul because he knew I was going to be on a journey. Hey, listen, I don't belong down here. I'm a traveler. I'm a passing through down here. But I've been, I've been a lot of miles up and down the road. Me and Miss Lori, we put 242,000 miles on that brown Toyota. We put 224,000 miles on that red Dodge pickup. And we put 124,000 miles on the little white Toyota church van. We've been a mile or two up and down the road. First year I was in the ministry, 14 airplane flights, and I've been a mile or two up and down the road. You know what? Sometimes it gets lonely traveling up and down the road. I'll tell you what makes the time pass better when you got a companion to go with you. <laughs> when you got somebody you talk to along the way, and somebody that knows what you're feeling, and somebody that can make it a little more comfortable and a little more like home. I remember being out there in that old camper. <laughs> I've been up here next to Stone Mountain and old brother Charlie Longs. He was in the meat and I'd shot me a deer. And I, could, well, I, got, I got that deer and we had some tenderloin. Me and Miss Lloyd and brother Peach, we left, we left Deer Lodge, Montana. And we was heading down to Arizona and pulling that camper trailer. And we stopped at the Hoover Dam. We'd come through in the middle of the night through Las Vegas. God forsaken place. Yes. There's just a bunch of lights and a big power bill. We drove by Las Vegas, got out there to the Hoover Dam. It was hot. We left Deer Lodge, Montana. It was 20 degrees. We got to Phoenix, Arizona. It was 118. We stopped on the Hoover Dam and we was miserable. We was trying to get slowed down, trying to get into a place where we could get some comfort. And I remember getting in that little old house trailer. We was pulling behind that Dodge pickup, my wife. Brother Pete's there with us, is traveling with us at that time. And uh, we got that deer tenderloin out. Cooked up some of that tenderloin on that little gas stove. And made it just a little bit more like being at home. Uh-huh. Every once in a while, while you're traveling on your way through this world, the sweet Lord Jesus will tell the Holy Ghost, say, go down there at Flint Hill Baptist Church. They've been awaiting on us. They've been looking, said they ain't got home yet, but they're on the way. Why don't you go by and pass by and meet with them and make them feel a little bit more like that at home? <laughs> Bless 
his holy name. He's worthy to be worshipped this morning. He's God. He loves us. He cares for us. I tell you what, you go to worshiping him right, he'll come around more often. Son, I'm going to tell you what, he's been here. I come in here yesterday morning and I was going to come talk to the Lord. I got to them swinging doors right there. I opened them doors and God met me. I mean right back down here at the door. He's been up here this morning, but he's back at the door yesterday. He's been around here. He's trying to comfort his little youngins on the journey home. Thank God. Boy, bless his name. He gave me comfort. He gave me a covenant. He said, I'll go with you all the way. Even to the end of the world. <laughs> I'll give you one more. We're going to go home. He's coming. <laughs> He's on his way. You just wait. He's coming. Hey, this ain't the end of the trip, Brother Wesley. I mean, we're just trying to get some more on the bus while we're going. That's what we're doing here. Hey, that's what we're doing. That's what this thing's all about. Hey, listen, that's what this thing's here for, Brother Sam. It ain't about bragging rights to how many got saved. I don't know how many's got saved. God rebuked me while I got to trying to count them up the other day. There have been a bunch of folks saved in the last few weeks. But it's all Jesus. It's all His glory and all His honor. It ain't about bragging rights for how many nights we went in revival. It ain't about bragging rights if God lets us get full in here. We have to go across the road and build us a big old building over there. It ain't about that. It's about trying to get folks into the fold of God so when we get on the other side there won't be one left out. He loves you this morning. He cares about you. And some of you is nervous. Now that bothers me. Because there's folks are screaming tears and sticking their hand up in there and there's other folks are digging through the songbooks. That bothers me. Is your phone ringing? Amen. <laughs> ain't mine, it's off. <laughs> is your phone ringing? Yeah, If it is, the answer's pick it up, Brother James. Amen. <laughs> I'm just telling, I'm being simple as I can be. If your phone's ringing, pick it up. God got your attention. It ain't because he's mad at you. It's because he loves you. It's because he cares about you. If he cares enough to call my soul, you know, every once in a while I get busy. And I get real busy. I'm not one of them fellas that screams my calls because I like to be called. I like to talk to people. That just that blesses my heart. Y'all call me anytime. Day or night, it don't matter. I don't do much sleeping at our house. But uh, every once in a while, I get real busy, and I'm working down there in the studio when that phone goes to ring, and I go to expect Miss Lori to pick it up, and every once in a while, she don't pick it up because she's tired, she don't want to be bothered. Why don't y'all life you that way, too? But when he goes to calling, it's important you better get it. 